Alright everybody, welcome to Wednesday night service. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord on a beautiful Wednesday evening, amen? We're going to have a fantastic time together tonight in the presence of God, in the house of God. And I'm excited to hear the word this evening. There is no better place you could be on a Wednesday night in Barstow than right here at HDWC. Amen. All right, let's stand up together. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we are going to keep believing and declaring that this nation is coming to Jesus. And we're going to walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. All right, let's speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. And you may be seated. All right. Well, let's go over a few announcements here. Uh, they're not on the screen tonight, so you're going to have to pretend like it's 1995 and listen. Can anybody do that? Yeah? Remember that back in the day when it was like that? Cletus remembers. All right. So a few quick things here. Uh, first of all, uh, as you can see, the mobile home, which we so dearly love over there on, uh, what is that, the south end of the property, has been demolished. And so right now, amen. Yeah, you can give the Lord some praise. That's a good thing. Amen. Uh, so we are uh, hauling it off. We've got one um, dumpster full, but we have two more dumpsters coming in this week. And uh, we're going to be getting this thing dismantled and taken out of here. So in the meantime, keep the kids away from it. We don't want anybody getting hurt. And if you are an able-bodied man or woman that would like to help us in uh, disassembling this bad boy, amen, yeah, hey, uh, we're going to get that done within the next eight days. So uh, I may be calling upon you if you are able and willing to give us a hand with that, all right? We want to remind you um, that we have the Zoom Tuesday night Bible study and prayer time, and it was so great. Uh, it's been going on since 2020, uh, but we announced it again this past week. They had a great turnout on Tuesday night, and uh, this is going to be the second and fourth Tuesday of every month at 6.30, and Rosalinda Palakiko and Betty Jackson are leading this group, and I'm really excited to start getting, you know, uh, getting some more people involved with this. It's a great chance to study the Bible together, to get connected, and you don't even have to leave your home for this one. So that's a pretty good deal right there, all right? Uh, let's see. We have the men's meeting this Saturday. Men, who is going to be there? Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, yes, we're going to have a great time. So, man, you know how we've been doing it. You bring out some breakfast to share. Uh, we are back in the clear to bring donuts again. We were on a couple-of-month ban, but Jesus and the boys, they're ready. Yeah, so bring some donuts. Uh, I usually bring cereal, and it's going to be a fantastic time, gentlemen. So 9 o'clock uh, this Saturday morning, and then uh, after service tonight, if we could get a few guys to help Robert set up some tables uh, for the meeting, that would be fantastic. This Sunday is 
what we call Palm Sunday, all right? And, uh, you know, it's not usually a, a huge deal that um, some of our type of churches make out of it, but I'm going to be teaching on that this Sunday so you understand uh, what the uh, the first day of what we would call Holy Week is all about. And I just want you to be here Sunday as we celebrate how Jesus entered into Jerusalem uh, to start that incredible week. And it ended in the greatest day in history when Jesus rose from the dead, amen, on Easter Sunday. And speaking of Easter Sunday, it is going to be not this Sunday, but next Sunday, April the 9th. It is a big, big day. Uh, we've got a lot of great stuff planned. Uh, so first of all, there's invitations on the info booth. Everybody needs to find somebody to invite on Easter Sunday. Who is going to be a good church member and find somebody to invite? I'm going to need more hands than that. Help me up. Miss Barstow, are you going to invite somebody? Thank you. There it goes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, mom, make sure she does it now. Come on. All right. So Miss Barstow is going to be uh, inviting people. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, everyone's doing it. You don't want to miss out. You don't want to be, you know, the oddball that didn't invite someone on Easter Sunday of all Sundays. So what we have going on, the children are going to be doing a musical performance, which is always really, really awesome. Uh, we are going to be having a family photo booth like we've done every year the past several years. And so it's a great chance to get your family pictures taken. We'll do it for you. we got photographers here. And then, of course, after the service is the big egg, scripture egg, Easter egg hunt. So there's, we got a couple thousand eggs going to be out there, a scripture in every egg, and of course candy in every egg. And I think we maybe still need some hard candy. So if you could bring some of that in, that would be fantastic. All right. Uh, well, I think that is all the announcements that we have for tonight. So who knows what time it is now? Amen. It is happy time. All right. We're going to have the ushers come forward for our Wednesday evening tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, you can raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. We're going to open our Bibles tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9 will be in the New King James. 2 Corinthians 9. And we are going to be looking here at verses 6 through 8. 2 Corinthians 9 and verses 6 through 8. And this is a phenomenal uh, passage of scripture regarding the uh, area of offerings. And we know, according to Malachi 3, that there's a difference between the tithe and the offering. Uh, the, who knows what a tithe is? Anybody? 10%. Yeah, it's 10% of your income that the Lord blessed you with. And then the offering is if you're going to give something in addition to that. And so that's what's going on in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, the Apostle Paul and uh, some of the other Christian leaders have been collecting an offering for the Christians in Jerusalem. And here's what he has to say right here. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, New King James. Uh, excuse me, NLT. My bad. My bad, Alex. It's the NLT. So uh, the Apostle Paul said, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Yeah, he'll still get a crop. It'll just be a smaller crop. Check it out. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Amen. I like a generous crop. That's Hey, you know, any crop is good, but I'll take a generous crop. Verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And so the offering is what you decide in your heart what you're going to give. You know, we can't tell you what your offering should be. Some other person can't tell you. You decide in your heart, unless the Lord's really speaking something to you. But here's what I'm getting at. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. 
For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't like, you know, loving somebody that's doing it because their arms being twisted or they're being pressured into it. That's not the right reason. God loves it when we give from the heart and we do it cheerfully. Now check out verse eight. It says, and God will generously provide all you need. Wait, if I give him the offering, that means I won't have anything left. No, it says right here, if you do, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. Somebody say leftover. Yeah, I love leftovers, especially some good chili, right, Dave? It's always better the second day, all right? You'll have plenty left over to share with others, amen? So that's the will of God right there, that we are generous givers. God will take care of our needs, and we'll have so much left over that we can help other people out, amen? All right, let's stand up together, and we are going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. And then let's bring those up after that. And we're going to get into some praise and worship tonight and into the word of God. It's going to be an awesome time. Let's speak these words of faith together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, Finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Feel free to join us at the altar as we worship tonight.
Father to us. I'm just so grateful to know I don't have to say, Dear God, and hope something happens. I say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, then I know things are going to happen. I just want to thank you that tonight, as we're together to worship you, and people out there watching online, they're worshiping with us. I know there's no distance in the Spirit, so we're all receiving from the same anointing the same word. And Lord, I particularly pray for people that are in crisis right now, that are facing impossible situations where it looks like it's all over and they don't know what they're going to do. I want to thank you tonight that as we look at the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to each and every heart and show them this is for them. You love them. You're talking about them and what they're facing and if they'll follow you in the Word of God and do what you show to do, they'll come through it and they'll win. We thank you for an awesome night. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Somebody give the Lord a shout, a clap or something. Amen. How many here have ever been in a possible situation where you thought there was no way, but you knew somehow, some way, Jesus would show you? Well, guess what? I've been answering that prayer tonight. He sent me to show you what he says. Amen. Somebody get excited for me before we get going much further, okay? Amen. We're not at a funeral tonight. We're at a, we're at a Jesus service. And Jesus always has the answer. And I'm thinking about lots of people that I know in this church that have faced impossible odds and they won. Because they learned what we're going to teach tonight. And the things that my family's went through over the years. We live by this. And we always win. Because 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, God always causes to triumph in Christ. He doesn't just always cause it to triumph. The rest of that verse says, in Christ. And so in other words, that means you need to have Jesus involved with what you're facing. Positive thinking does nothing. Positive thinking never healed cancer. Positive thinking never saved a marriage. Positive thinking never got a wayward child straightened up. Positive thinking doesn't do it. But when you're a Christian, 
as you learn the Word of God, as you speak it out, that a lot of people think, well, boy, you're very positive. Well, you can call it positive if you want to, but I'm just agreeing with God. And God's not negative, God's positive. So we're just speaking the Word of God. People confuse that with positive thinking. They think, well, just always be positive. There are a lot of positive people that are in eternity right now because that's all they had. But when you're in Christ and you do what the Bible teaches, he guarantees you will win every time. Now, I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore. This is called Understanding How to Fight the Good Fight of Faith. Understanding How to Fight the Good Fight of Faith. And I was talking to Robert right before the church service. We was talking about different types of ministries and things like that. Now, we talked about the difference between a lot of good, exciting preaching compared to good teaching or a preacher that preaches good that teaches too. Because when you read the New Testament, it says Jesus went about preaching and teaching and healing and delivering the people. And so what preaching does, preaching gets you excited. I told Robert that the uh, first church I went to when I got saved, they were a Pentecostal church. And if you've ever been around bonafide real Pentecostals, I don't know what they're like now. I know what they was like uh, 40, 50 years ago. Pentecostals, uh, they had a reputation in Indianapolis. They call them swinging off the chandeliers, jumping over the pews. And I went to a church that was a mixed church, and we had a lot of black people, a lot of white people. And man, I tell you what, you get that combination together with the Holy Ghost, they were wild people. They did a lot of shouting, a lot of things going on. And every time I went in there as a new Christian, I heard, God wants you to have this. God will do that. He wants you to have this. I was sitting there. Because I didn't come out of some denominational church. I came out of Centerville. What's Centerville? Well, that's down a place called The Grove. That's, that's where I hung out on Saturday nights, Friday nights. That's where they had the bands and the drunks and everything like that. And when the lights went out, using my lights were out already. But anyway, in The Grove, they did a lot of shouting and jumping. And I couldn't see any difference between a Pentecostal church, really, than the shouters and jumpers, except we had anointing there. But what I heard... God wants to bless you. They never did teach how God wanted to bless me. And so one day, I was driving my truck down the road, and I come across a Christian radio station, which I never knew there was such a thing. You know, if it wasn't Hillbilly, I didn't know what was on there. So anyway, I heard this man named Kenneth E. Hagan, and he was teaching the Bible how to get what the Pentecostals said I could have. They preached I could have it, got me excited, but they preached the depression off of me, but when I walked out into the real world again, there it was again, right back, because I didn't get it off. But Kenneth Hagin went through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and he showed me how to get what they said I could have. And so that's what this book says, understanding how to fight the good fight of faith. You know, it, 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 doesn't, help, it doesn't help somebody that's losing their life to say, well, uh, stiff upper lip, keep the faith. They said that to me back then. I'd say, duh, what's the faith? I heard about faith, but nobody taught me what it was. Or if they would have told me what it was, they didn't show me how to use it. So tonight, I'm going to be teaching principles out of this book, Understanding How to Fight the Good Fight of Faith. And then there's another book that's along the same lines, a little smaller, but it's really good, called What Faith Is. What Faith Is. What faith is. You know, I think about uh, the difference between Christian world and the world. The world has faith, 
just not faith in God. They got faith that they're going to be able to get up tomorrow just because they're breathing. They got faith that when they clock in on their time clock, if they still do that, I don't I think they use phones now probably, but anyway, when I worked, they had time clocks. They got faith as long as they time clock their clock in and out, in a week we get a paycheck. They got faith I'm coming in every day because I know if I come in every day I get a paycheck. They got faith in a lot of things. But there's a difference between faith in things, natural human faith, and faith in Jesus through the Bible kind of faith. There's a difference. And so what faith is, that book will teach you those things. And, and you, need to, you need to buy resources like that. And, of course, now in this uh, time we live in, you go on YouTube or a lot of places and hear these things for free right off of YouTube. We quit selling CD tapes years ago because why sell something we can get for free? I listen to all the free stuff, so why do I want to buy something I get for free? But what I like about buying those books, because I still read them, I still got, I still have a lot of books, I can mark through those, make notes in them, put markers in them, and wherever I'm at, I can pick that thing up again, and it fires me up again when I see again what helped me before. Amen? So anyway, that, that bookstore is back there to help you. But open up to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And uh, need, your, need your pen and your notebook out tonight. I'm going to give you some things you need to write down. One thing I've, I've never quit doing out of 43 years of being a Christian, I've never quit taking notes, and I still look at them. I love some of the things that Pastor Dave's been teaching on Sunday mornings about rooted and going through those things. And when I get nuggets, he's my son, but he's an anointed man of God too. He's got a gift of God in him, and he's got a different personality, a different flow than what I have. But when God speaks through him, I write things down, and they've helped me. I texted him. After last Sunday night service, after I got home, I said, Pastor Dave, I want to, this is my son. I said, Pastor Dave, I want to tell you something. You really helped me tonight. You said something I need to hear, and I like the way God had you said it. It helped me. And so notes do that. That's why I say always take notes. And the title is How You Can Develop Faith to Receive from God. Faith to Receive from God. And something that I learned as a young Christian that you need to learn. You never have to beg or try to talk God into doing something. He said in the word of God belongs to you. If God says it's yours, you don't have to beg him for it. You need to use your faith to get it. And God's not holding back. But on earth, there's demon spirits. There's hindering spirits. There's your flesh. There's your mind that hasn't been renewed yet to think in line with the Bible. And so when you pray, it's not trying to get God to do something. It's using your faith to receive what he's already done. I want to say that again. You've got to understand that. You need to change your way of praying. And things like we're teaching tonight will show you how to change how you pray. Because when you get from the whining mode to the faith mode, then things begin to move. Somebody say amen. Okay, how you can develop faith to receive from God. So Mark chapter 5, verse 25 and 26, at a certain woman, and so in other words, Jesus is not telling a parable. He's getting ready to tell a true life testimony. You know, in our church, I just look at some of of the different impossible situations we have in here. Uh, Dave and Irma McNeil don't mind us giving testimonies about them because testifying about people that one helps other people going through things. If I, if I were teaching a marriage thing, I'd say there's a certain couple that had been married for many years. 
They had two beautiful daughters. They were a very wonderful couple, but over the years things happened and they got divorced. But through daughters praying, through family praying, and through them praying and seeking God, this family came back together. They got remarried. I've had several years of happy marriage. And the grandchildren are happy and blessed. They're happy and blessed. The church is happy and blessed. But it's not over till it's over. I want to say that again. In your life, you did not lose because you're still breathing. As long as you're still breathing and you don't quit and give up on life, you can still win. And so see, Jesus sometimes told parables. Sometimes he'd say, he told a certain parable. And then he started telling something about a farmer or a fisherman or a house builder. And he's telling a parable. But here it says there was a certain woman. I want you to get this. This is a real life woman. And men and women, in spite of all the goofy dumb stuff, and I'll keep my mouth shut, going on today, you're either a man or you're a woman. And women still have women things. Men have men things. Problems are still problems. And Jesus is still Jesus. Amen. And so I want you to see this to get this because this could be about you. It says, and a certain woman had an issue of blood 12 years. Simple way to say that is she had female problems. And she suffered many things and many physicians spent all she had was nothing better but rather grew worse. Now right there is a picture, if I ever saw one, of doom and gloom and what's the use. I had a woman in my church back in Indiana that had an issue of blood for a lot of years. And so I know what some of those people go through where they're going through things. But think about this in modern times. We got health care and stuff like that. But I, I knew one woman in our church. She's in heaven now. She had, she had breast cancer and she beat it once. Then she got cancer back again. And her job had changed insurance people. And it was like six or eight months for they to prove the chemotherapy she needed. And we don't, we don't believe for chemotherapy to totally take care of us, but it helps sometimes when you need it to get to where you're going. And so she ran out of insurance. And so this woman, she was broke. For 12 years she had that problem, and then at the end of 12 years of going doctor to doctor and place to place, she got worse. Has anybody here ever been there or known anybody like that, that no matter what they did, and all you've ever heard about, oh, man, go to this one, go to this one, man, he'll do it. Or go go down to Mexico, they got a special drug down there you can't buy here. I've heard those stories too many times. Go down here, go down there. And people get worse. They get worse. I had an aunt from Indiana probably 30 years ago. And all the way from Indiana, she went to Mexico, and she still died. And so running around to all those places, and you're getting worse, you just want to quit. But I want to show you something in verse 34. <clears throat> then I'm going to come back and tell you the rest of the story. So she was she was broke. She was worse. And then at the end of this testimony, Jesus gave a testimony, said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Jesus said, Your faith, your faith has got your healing. Your faith has made you whole. That means that things were taken care of. And just a little side note, that word whole there comes from a Hebrew word called shalom. 
Etched loans means not only healing, but your fortune's restored. Nothing broken, nothing missing. So God got her money back, got her body healed, but something that a casual reader would never see here. Because they just think Jesus was the magic worker. Jesus went around with the magic wand. Jesus did it all. Jesus did not say, my faith healed you. He said, your faith healed you. Amen. And of course, the faith was in Jesus. And the healing came through Jesus. But it was her faith in Jesus. Amen. He said, your faith has made you whole. People all the time are praying the wrong prayer. They're doing the whining and the bacon. Oh, Jesus, 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 touch him. Oh, Jesus, touch him. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. Somebody said, well, that's how I've been praying. Well, how good's that working? Amen. Amen. And so I want you to see this now. We're going to go down through this. I want you to see some things here. So she'd been sick for 12 years. She was broke. And she's suffered from all these physicians. Nothing better. Only rather, She rather grew worse. Now with your notes, write down one, two, three, four. I'm going to show you four things here. Ingredients of faith that cause things to work. And so when I take notes like this, I put a one, I'll put a circle around it, two, and just go straight up and down and write things across. So I'm just going to make this some really short statements beside each one of these points that if you follow through and begin to formulate this lifestyle, this lifestyle of using faith like this woman had, that Jesus began to be glad to look at you and say, Desiree, woman, your faith has made you whole. Amen. Amen. And then to be able to look at you and say, Doug, Alexis, your faith has made your home whole. Nothing broken, nothing missing. Shalom. Amen. Fortune's restored. That's, that's the way, that's the way faith works and how it receives. And so, uh, when, when I read this, I think about all the impossible things that my family has overcome by faith. I think about all the possible things I've seen so many people in my church, many of you, back in Indiana, overcome by faith. And so, as I teach this principle of faith, just remember, this is not a magic formula. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Nobody's got four steps like a pyramid scheme that guarantees you you'll come out on top. But what we're talking about is things you begin where you are, take baby steps like Dave Ramsey talks about in Financial Peace University. You take baby steps and start at your, start where you are. Nobody gets on the top rung of the ladder to get to the top. Everybody starts at step one. And you begin working your way up. So anyway, the, 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 the principles of faith you tap into not only work for health issues, but for finances, for family problems, for jobs, for cars, for houses, whatever your need is. God's already told you in Philippians 4.19, it's his will to meet all your need. If it's education money, anything it is, the principle of faith work for anything that the Bible says belongs to you as a believer. So anyway, I want you to look at uh, verse 27, and this is going to be point number one. Beside point number one, right, verse, verse 27 says, When she had heard, when she had heard, point number one is you've got to hear right. When she had heard of Jesus, 
which he had heard of Jesus. And so you must change. Now listen to this. This is going to help 100% of the people that get a hold of it. When she had heard of Jesus, you must change your source of information. For 12 years, if they had Facebook back then, I'll guarantee you what she would have done. What probably the majority of Christians do. Does anybody know a good doctor? Does anybody know uh, how to get on that GoFundMe page? Or whatever that goofy thing is. A lot of stuff I don't do and I don't even feed on. Amen. Because I I go by the Luke 638 page. Give it, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shake together, running over. Tie the break that's tied to the storehouse. God will open windows of heaven, brought the blessing on you. I live there, not go fund me. Amen. I go fund you, and then God funds me. There's that nugget, Mom. I want to say that again. That's Bible. I fund you, and God funds me. Amen. So... You, they need, if you're a Christian, you need to change your thinking on that. Who could I go fund today? That's how it works. But it, anyway, this, this woman changed her source of information. She shut off social media, her social inner circle. And she said, wait a minute. I've been doing this for 12 years. What's that got me? Now I'm not just sick, I'm sicker. And now I'm not just sicker, but I'm broke. I don't have any money. That's what it got her. And so she changed her source of information. And so if you are facing impossible things right now in life, then don't be like the fool. You know what a definition of a fool is? Now listen to this. If you haven't heard this, write it down. If you have heard this, write it down again. The definition of a fool is a person that keeps doing the same thing over and over again. And keeps expecting to get different results. If you've done it for 12 years and it didn't work, why are you going to keep doing it? You got to change something. You got to quit asking everybody, what's your opinion? I tell you, as, as, as a believer, I learned a long time ago that when I'm facing crisis, the only person I'm going to ask if they see anything is a spiritually mature believer that's one. I am not going to go around to all my losing friends and say, guys, tell me how come you got to lose for all these years, you're still losing, I want to lose better. Is that basically what happens? For 12 years, how do you think about all the different doctors you went to? Somebody told her about another one. And, you know, for the disclaimer, for everything going on, we are not against doctors. I have doctors I see. My wife has doctors she see. We love doctors. They help people. But this woman here had went to everywhere she could go, and she got no help. But then it says, for her faith to make her whole, she changed her source of information. She changed her source of information. And so you have to change hers too. She heard of Jesus finally, the miracle worker and the healer. Amen. You know, I think about the McNeils, too, because this works in every area of life. It was the Word of God and Jesus, the miracle worker, that made them whole in their home. Jesus did that. It wasn't going around asking all kinds of stupid friends, been divorced 15 times. Hey, man, you know what? I'm having marriage trouble. You've been, you've been divorced 15 times. I've only, I've only been divorced once. How could, how could I get, beat your record? <laughs> hey, man, isn't that what's going on here? 
you have to change your source of information. I want you to hold your place, coming right back to it, and look at Romans ten seventeen. Romans ten seventeen, and this has to be one of your primary scriptures of life. Romans ten seventeen needs to become a part of your thinking of your daily life and your life revolve around Romans ten seventeen. So that faith cometh by watching the news. So that faith cometh by playing with social media. So that faith cometh by talking to all your unsaved friends that don't even know Jesus. How does faith cometh? By hearing what? Hearing the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so back to Mark chapter 5, it says when she heard. So when she heard of Jesus, what did she get? She got faith. She heard of Jesus, she got faith. And and I, th- I, th- I think about how this whole thing works, how I taught myself and trained myself as a new Christian. When I learned this, because I sat under a good teacher right from the start, when I learned how faith worked, every challenge, every problem, everything that come against me, the first thing I did was looked on the inside of me. I said, Holy Ghost, have I got anything in there on that? I wanted to know what the Bible had to say about what I was facing. Because for me to have faith to win, I had to know what the Bible said, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And so if I didn't have anything in there on the problem I was facing, I would immediately go to Google. Nope, didn't have Google, I'm glad they didn't. I would immediately go to Jesus. And I'd say, Lord, please show me in the Bible what the answer is, so I know how to pray in faith to win this thing. And let me tell you something else, too. Faith doesn't come by praying. Praying's a good thing to do, but you can't even pray in faith unless you've got the Word of God. And worshiping. Worshiping's definitely a good thing to do. Faith doesn't come by praising or worshiping. You can't really worship or praise in faith unless you're full of the Word of God. So faith comes out. Faith comes by hearing. We worship. We tithe. Faith doesn't come by tithing. All these things we do, we do in faith. But we only do them in faith because we know the Bible says to tithe. We worship because it's in our heart because the Bible says you worship. And all these different things the Bible says to do do not produce faith. They are a result of faith. Listen to what I'm saying again. So many Christians think they're doing things to get more faith. But... You only get faith one way. You hear the word of God. And so as Christians, and you know, we talk to people out there too, not just the ones that's in here. As Christians, we've got to know whatever you're facing, the number one thing you've got to do is what this woman did. You're going to have to shut off all those voices. You're going to have to get in a church that teaches the Bible, and there's probably hundreds or thousands of them still in America in spite of what the news tries to say there's a whole lot more Christians what they're trying to tell us there are. You've got to get in a church, you pray, and you ask the Father. You say, Father, in the name of Jesus, your word teaches me, and it does, that I'm supposed to have a pastor. I'm supposed to have a church family. I'm supposed to be able to assemble together. And so I ask you, Father, to show me who my pastor is, who my church family is, 
and then regularly sit under the teaching of the word. Because when you got a man or a woman called of God and anointed of God to teach the Bible, faith is coming. And then the faith you get in church, you need to take notes, write things down, and then when you get home, start looking things up in the Bible for yourself. That's how I learned everything. I would hear it, and I'd write it down, and then I'd get home and I would study it out. I'd look it up, and then while I did that, the Lord would show me more passages that were in agreement with it. And that's how I got full of the Word of God. And so faith comes by hearing. And this woman's hopeless situation turned around when she got faith for healing. And so uh, God's wisdom, then, is this. If you want something different, you got to start doing something different. I want to say that again. If you're watching out there and you're facing these things in life, and you haven't won it all yet, you're still continuing to lose, you're going to have to change course. You've got to start doing something different. And I suggest you really get hooked up with a good church that teaches faith, that teaches faith and victory, that Jesus wants you to win every time, and then start reading your Bible in line with what's going on in church. Amen? Amen. And so she heard. Now I want you to notice point number two. First, verse 28. It says, and then, for she said, she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Now see, the, there's the positive I'm talking about. She said the end, the end result of this is I shall be whole. After 12 years of that horrible, horrible, horrible female issue she was dealing with, as she was broke, when she heard of Jesus, faith came. Then when faith came, she could talk right. She said, if I touch his clothes, I'm going to be whole. That's the end of this thing. Twelve years, you're out of here. I finally got the right information. I finally got the right source. I know where to go to. I shall be whole. As she she spoke out loud her faith. She spoke her faith. And the Amplified Bible says, as she kept saying, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. I shall be whole. And if we were teaching on... Bible confession tonight, we see why we do these faith confessions all the time. You keep your faith active by talking your faith, talking your faith, talking your faith. Said, I shall be whole. Now I want you to look a few chapters over, Mark eleven twenty three, and keep your place. Mark eleven twenty three. Raymond, you're becoming one of our powerhouses. I heard that excitement rise up. I think Raymond's been reading Mark eleven twenty three. What do you think? How about anybody else? Anybody else read Mark eleven twenty three? Amen. And so, for she said, well, Jesus told us here one of the key principles of faith. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, I circled that, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, how many know that a person that's been bleeding like that for 12 years, that's a mountain. That's a, mountain, a, a mountainous problem. How many know that if you're absolutely broke, says she spent all she had. If you're broke and you're sick, that's a mountain. But she said her mountain was going to be removed. Said, if I touched Jesus, this mountain's out of here. And so... Uh, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but look at this, shall believe 
that those things which he saith, and I circled again the saith. You've got to see that. Your mouth hooked with your heart full of faith is a major, major, major key to Jesus saying, Melinda, your faith has brought this to pass. Amen. And so those things you said got to pass. This last statement, he shall have whatsoever he what? Saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And the whosoever means you. That's my nickname in the faith arena. My nickname is whosoever. You know why? Because I take the Bible literally. It's not just a history book full of good stories. I take it literally as Jesus talking to me. You've got to begin to see that when Jesus is speaking out Bible principles, they're for you. And so Jesus said, whosoever shall say, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And I learned off my pastor. He was an overemphasizer. And I think maybe I am sometimes too because he, he mentored me. He really emphasized the saying part because Jesus emphasized the saying part. He'd say, well, he says, just check yourself. And the next time you say, well, that just kills me. Is that really what you want to happen? Well, I'll tell you what, Dave, that just thrills me to death. Oh, really? You want to get so excited as you die? Well, I'll tell you what, those kids are going to be the death of me yet. Oh, really? You want to die over your kids? You know, that might sound funny, but there's too many people, too many Christians that are trying to pray in faith, and then their mouth is erasing everything they really want. I'm not the one that said this. Jesus said, you'll have whatsoever you saith. He said, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And so there's so many verses we teach all the time about your mouth. Pastor Dave says all the time, I don't remember this, but he says it, so it must be true. He said, the first verse I ever learned from my dad was Proverbs 18:21: Death and life are the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen. And so the first thing you need to do after you hear the word of God if you want it to work in your life, if you're not disciplined enough yet to train your mouth to speak, go down to Walmart or Home Depot, wherever you get the best deal, get a roll of gray tape. Get the gray tape, get a piece off, and put a little slice in it though so you can breathe. I learned that one time. <laughs> and, and put it across your mouth, and then every time you want to say, oh, that just kills me, you go, ooh, ooh. Or, you know, that's going to be the life of me. Or whatever it is you're trying to say. I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for bad luck, we'd have no luck, no luck at all. We're the most unluckiest people in the whole world. If it can break, it'll break. I don't care. The warranty ran out yesterday, it'll break tomorrow. Man, get the tape. And then when you get tired of trying to eat through that little slot, take it off and say, okay, mouth, you're going to talk right or we'll get the tape out. Hey man, now, now on the tape part, well, I had to do that one time, one time. It was a joke a few years ago. I was having kind of diarrhea of the mouth. And my wife wouldn't talk to me and my mouth was still going off. I said, nope. I got the tape out, went like that. She took one look at it, both started laughing, and then we had peace back. <laughs> now, so you, you hear what I'm saying. This is really serious. This woman said and kept saying, I shall be whole. And so Jesus said, you'll have whatsoever you saith. And then he told her 
said your faith made you whole. How many, can I, can I move on to the next one? Did you get that one? That's really important. Okay, then number three, look again at verse 27. It says, when she heard, and then that's 28 works with that, that she came in the crowd and touched his garment. She came in the crowd and touched his garment. She heard about Jesus the healer. He was anointed, anointing came out of him. Then she said, if I can touch his garment, I shall be whole. Then she did. And this is so crucial. Hold your place and look at James 1.22. James 1.22. Every one of these things are ingredients of faith. And I want to say this again. It's not a magic formula where you just go one, two, three, four. You incorporate it into your lifestyle. You start living this way. James one twenty two, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Why? Deceiving your own selves. I've seen so many, so many Christians that are deceived. They hear the word. And so when you hear the word, you get faith. And they begin to speak good things, but they don't act on it. If you believe in tithing, tithe. If you believe in love and forgiveness, start loving and forgiving some people. Amen? If, 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 if you believe, if you believe in jobs, go get a job. Whatever it is you believe is yours, do something. I was telling, I was telling Mrs. Pastor today, I was thinking about the job world. I was thinking about how different it is. Back in the, uh, Early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, all of a sudden, uh, Teamsters used to be all trucks. Does everybody know that or not? Maybe you don't even know that. They wanted anything else. They were all totally transportation. And I was a Teamster. My dad was a Teamster. My family was Teamsters. I got my first Teamster job when I was 18 years old. And so my, my Teamsters was my life and my career. And then in 1984, my company went out of business, but a lot of companies went out. They were all going out. And all of a sudden, I was doing something I never, ever had to do. They didn't have all the Internet and everything going on. I had to start going around the few trucking companies were left and walk into the office and ask to talk to the terminal manager or operations manager, whoever did the hiring, and sell myself to them to try to get a job. I hated that. But I was praying for a job. I was a tithing Christian. I knew I had favor. The windows of heaven were open. But if I would have just sat at home and prayed for a job, I did put any feet to my words and my faith. I would have never got a job. And so I always got a job, but I just, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm so uncomfortable walking into a stranger's office and trying to sell myself. But I had to do that a lot of times. But if I had to, I would have been self, self-deceived, it says. It says if you don't do what you're praying, then you never get what you're saying. You gotta be doing it. And so this woman then, she said, turn back to Mark chapter 5, she said, when I touch his clothes, I'm going to be healed. Well, if she would have never went and touched his clothes, she would have never got healed. She had to do that. And so then notice then in verse 29, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. After 12 years, all of a sudden, just like that, it's gone. Can you imagine that? You know, some of you may be dealing with pain right now. Some of you may be seeing doctors right now and trying to get some answers. 
Or you may know somebody in your family that's going through some rough things. And, and this here, you know, this wasn't terminal, but it was chronic. Chronic means something that's not necessarily going to kill you, but you sure hate to have to deal with it, put up with it. Can you imagine all of a sudden, if you're going through something, that your faith touched Jesus, and anointing came, and you say, it's gone. It's gone. It's really gone. It's gone. That's such a regular thing that I've seen in my Christian life, in my own life, and in many others. But that's what happens. You hear what the Word of God has to say. You begin to speak that. And then you do what it is you know to do. And then it comes to pass in your life. And then look at this right here. And Jesus immediately anointing himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Now think about this. If Jesus of faith would have healed that woman, he wouldn't have said that. He would have said, Lady, you touched me, and now my faith healed you. But he said, Who touched my clothes? Because Jesus lived in an earth suit. He didn't have eyes in the back of his head. If the Holy Ghost didn't tell him something going on, he was limited to his senses for things around him like you and I were. Many times the Holy Ghost told him things. That time all he knew, and I, I know a lot of times when I pray for people when that power goes out of me. I know it, but I know who it is because I've touched them. But Jesus was full of anointing as she touched him where the power was. When she touched him, he said, wow, somebody touched me. And then his disciples said, Master, what do you mean who touched you? Look around you. There's a lot of people touching you. But the difference was, he said, somebody just touched me with faith. And so, as we're winding it down, think about this. Jesus is in heaven today. We're down here today. How many millions, if not billions of people, are crying out for something right now? You know the ones getting answers? The ones that are touching him in faith today. And then, of course... We never, ever, ever put aside his mercy. There are a lot of people, myself included, that have had a lot of mercy in times when my faith wasn't there. But we're talking about the faith that receives from Jesus. And so verse 34 says, Daughter, thy faith had made thee whole. Go home. You're healed. Shalom. You're restored. Amen. And so I just leave that with you. Just look at these things, read your notes, watch the the broadcast again, and Jesus will take care of whatever it is that's impossible in your life. Jesus will take care of it, but it takes your cooperation. Use your faith based upon the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes the service. If you would, go to the back, and as the pallbearers are getting ready... We will walk out the door. Come on, guys, live it up. Uh, I know what I know what it is to be in a truck for ten or twelve hours a day. In my former days, come to church service on Wednesday night. I just <laughs> a lot of times do. But the main thing is, God's word works when you work the word. Amen, amen. And as a point of contact, you know, this is the time that we. Pray for people that need prayer. If you need a point of contact, like Jesus 
uh, was the point of contact for the woman. She said, I know he's full of anointing. If I can get to him and touch him, that anointing will come on me and heal me. Well, my wife and I are up here tonight. We're anointed. We can be your point of contact. If you need somebody to agree with you, in Matthew 18, 19 says, If any two shall agree on earth as touch anything to ask of my Father, it will be done for them. And so we're up here. If you need a point of contact, we can agree with you that the Father will flow through us and do what you need done in your life. Amen? And so whatever it is, we got it. Come and get it if you want it. And I just want to be where you are And I just want to be near your heart And there is nothing like your love And Jesus, there is nothing like your love I just want to be where you are And I just want to be near your heart And there is nothing like your love And Jesus, there is nothing like your love Holy, 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 Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you.
Jesus. Aren't we glad that Jesus is no respecter of persons, but he is respecter of faith? If her faith can make her whole, your faith can make you whole. Jesus is good. And I think about how awesome Jesus is. I was reading in Psalms 90 this morning, and when I was reading it, Moses was talking about how awesome God was, made the mountains and everything, all the stuff. I was sitting at my window, looking out my window across our lake, and I saw the mountains on the other side of the 15. And I saw the clouds. And man, I about melted. I thought, wow, you made all this. You're everywhere. You always have been. You always will be. You're so awesome. And with all the people talking to you right now, you got time to listen to me too. You ever think about that, how awesome he is? Why would we ever want to worry again if we know he's right there? Amen. That is so good, so good, so good. Well, let's make our Barstow faith confession. Amen. I'm not going to fall for that. I'm going to do it. And, you know, I just want to tell you, I don't pick on you because you're tired. Because I just think about those days when I was in the seats out there. And my pastor was all fresh and fired up and preaching. And I came off that truck and thought, if you knew what I went through today to get here to hear you, you wouldn't think that. No, I've been there. I know what it is. Amen. Look at all these smiles now. Where were they while I was preaching? (laughs) All right, let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And ladies, this is for the ladies. There used to be a commercial on TV back in Indianapolis I saw about they'd give you anything for a used car. They said, we don't care what condition it is. They said, uh, drag it in, break it in, tow it in, push it in, get it in. Your husband's, whatever condition he is for Saturday, bring him in, tow him in, push him in, get him into the men's meeting, <laughs> and you'll get a new husband. <laughs> uh.